Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It is so good to be back with you, as I said during the announcements this morning, but you may not have heard that if you just came in. I was, I was out of town for the last two Sundays. Uh, two Sundays ago, I was actually preaching um, at Camp Luther, our district's uh, camp down in Three Lakes, Wisconsin. So I preached there on the Sunday and then uh, served as pastor of the week throughout that week. And my family uh, and I got to have a little bit of a, a working uh, vacation uh, there as I had some responsibilities each day, but we had some good relaxing time as well. From there, my family and I went uh, to Minnesota, where both of my wife and I are from, and we visited family in the Twin Cities area for the last week or so. We got back late Friday night. Um, and it was just, it was a wonderful time away, uh, and it's so good to be back with you today. To all of you incoming new students at, at Michigan Tech, and to your families, welcome. A big welcome uh, to Michigan Tech, to the UP, to St. Peter and Paul. We pray that this will be a home congregation for you, where you can bring your friends and, and others who, who maybe do not know Christ, and this can be a place where they too and you can experience and live out this fullness of life in Christ that's promised to us. To you parents who are dropping off your kids, please, uh, we want to be a resource for you as well. Uh, if you need something or, or you need assistance uh, with your families, with your students, uh, let, let myself or Marcus know we are here uh, for you. Uh, these students are as much a part of our congregation. Uh, we believe they're members of our church for the time uh, that they are here. We, we year after year after year after year are continually blessed. Uh, by the students of Michigan Tech in Finlandia, and we look forward to uh, that going on uh, this year and into the future. I look forward uh, to partnering in ministry with all of you. As a congregation, uh, we are in the fifth week of this sermon series on prayer. Uh, it's a six-part series, so we'll wrap that up next week. Uh, but when we started this five weeks ago, I said to you, you know, maybe it's, does it seem like prayer is too simple of a thing to spend six weeks talking about? I mean, what's there to, to talk about? But what I've heard, I've heard an overwhelming uh, response from congregation members about how beneficial and practical it's been for you as individuals and families uh, as your prayer life continues to be developed and, and, and we encourage one another uh, to have this ongoing prayer life in our walk with Jesus Christ. And so each week, what we've been doing, just to get you caught back up to speed and to catch me up to speed since I've been gone the last two weeks, uh, each week what we're doing is asking a question about prayer and diving in. So here's what we've done the last four weeks so far. In the first week, we asked, what is prayer? In the second week, why should we pray? How should we pray? Where should we pray? And now today, finally, we're asking this question, when should we pray? When should we pray? Now, if you were paying attention to the readings, to the epistle lesson and the gospel lesson just a minute ago, if you were paying attention, you probably know the answer. When should we pray? The scriptures tell us, pray always. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. You know, if you've been in the church for any length of time, maybe you've heard this before. When should we pray? Pray without ceasing. Yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? Okay, cool, let's pray without ceasing. But what does that look like practically and realistically in, in your daily life? 
From what I hear in conversations with people, and this is why we're doing this sermon series of prayer, it sounds even uh, for, for sometimes mature Christians that sometimes we struggle with having a mature prayer life and knowing what to do or what to say or when to say it. So it sounds, at least from talking to a lot of people, that maybe your prayer life is constrained to a prayer with your family before a meal, maybe a prayer before bedtime. Yeah, we definitely pray on Sundays when we gather together, but pray without ceasing? I think maybe the only people in this room who've been doing a lot of praying without ceasing and might be for the next couple of days are these parents who are dropping off their new students and are going to be parting ways. Pray without ceasing. Maybe you're praying, Lord, how did this happen? It seems like she was just in diapers. Oh, God, please let him at least open the books and break the back cover to make it look like he opened the book that we just paid a lot of money for? Uh, maybe some of you are thinking, thank God this last kid is out of the house, finally, right? Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We read a parable today from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, where we hear Jesus encourage his disciples to always pray. To pray without ceasing. It's, it's relatively short. Let me just read it for you again. It'll be up on the screen. It goes like this. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said this. In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Now for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Now nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus tells parables to make a point. So he told this story to make a point. So what's the point of Jesus? Well, let me just recap that story. So it's, this is the story Jesus is telling. And he describes this judge, a selfish judge. He has no respect for those above him or below him. He doesn't respect God. He doesn't respect people. He's really just in it for himself. And yet there's this woman who comes to him, a widow, and she's, she's pleading for him, uh, for, for him to deliver justice against her adversary. She's pleading, pleading. She's persistent, persistent. She won't stop. And he says, man... She's bothering me. She's bothering me. So for selfish motivations, from the judge's standpoint, what does he do? He gives her what she wants. He delivers justice for her. He delivers on her request even though he is a selfish man. What's the point of Jesus? Jesus is saying, don't you know that God loves you dearly? That you are the elect, that you are chosen by him? You are his children? Do you not think that God will deliver for you today the justice that you need? Not only will he deliver it, but how will he deliver it? Speedily. Speedily justice will come for you. Speedily. Really? Does it seem like that in your daily life that, that speedily Jesus responds to you? What does he mean? Jesus is talking about himself. Through himself, he is speedily bringing justice for you. Jesus is talking about his death and his resurrection. When he, when he speaks these words, he is preparing his disciples for his coming death. 
And he is telling his disciples, guys, things are about to get a little bit crazy here. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Keep praying. It seems, it will seem as though everything is coming undone. It will seem to you that things are happening that shouldn't be happening. I tell you, do not lose heart. Keep praying. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, your justice is paid for. Right? Payment is paid for your sins. Death has been conquered for you. Life has been purchased for you. Life wins. That means today forgiveness is yours. You want speedy deliverance? Here it is for you. It comes to you today. Don't you just wish sometimes when you pray that God would deliver for you something beyond whatever you could ever, uh, your wildest imagination. Don't you just wish and pray sometimes, Lord, accomplish the greatest thing for me beyond my wildest imagination. Lord, I don't even want to go buy a Powerball ticket, but I want the $700 million. Come on, Lord, isn't it possible? And God says, I will deliver for you today even a greater miracle than this. I sent my son into this world for you, that your death might be undone, that you might have life and victory over death, and so that we can look death in the face and say, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Christ has won for you today. Justice comes for you speedily because it's already done. All right, that's true. It is. And yet, we know in our humanness, until that final return of Christ, we go on living. And we go on bearing the marks and the effects of sin. And, and so what are we called to do until that return of Christ? We live, and we live in prayer. Why praying at all times that Christ will come for us and be present here among us as he is in heaven? Pray without ceasing. I've been praying for my family a lot in the last 48 hours. I have a ton of family that lives in the Houston area in Texas. Uh, my brother and his wife and their two young boys live right in Houston. Uh, my grandpa and grandma, I have aunts and uncles on both sides of my family, great aunts and uncles, second cousins, all kinds of people that I know live in Texas. And my, my brother and his wife in the last uh, 48 hours or so had a lot, of, a lot of rain. If you haven't been paying attention, this Hurricane Harvey is uh, pummeling southern Texas. Um, and my brother and his wife, you know, their backyard was, was flooding. It was almost coming into their house. They realized they had uh, drainage issues in the yards. They were out digging a trench in torrential rains. Uh, they spent yesterday evening in the bathroom uh, with a tornado touching down uh, somewhere in their, in their town in Texas. So uh, you know, it's been, it's been touch and go for them, and we just, we pray, we pray, uh, and that's for, for them, but we know that there are others uh, who are facing even uh, more difficult situations in Texas as well, and it sounds like the storm is just going to continue to linger over them. And so what do we pray? We pray without ceasing. We pray without ceasing. We do not lose heart, as Jesus has said, and we keep on praying. 
Last week, last Tuesday, there was a historic event that I didn't get to see. The solar eclipse. How many of you stared up into the sky last Tuesday? Just raise your hand. Anybody stare at the sun? Yeah? You can all still see. You wore the appropriate headgear or whatever. I don't uh, I didn't get to see it. I was in Minnesota, uh, and it looked like kind of like this. It was dark and cloudy and raining. My wife and I had went, uh, went out to lunch at a restaurant. We came out as, as it was supposed to be happening, and we said, seems kind of dreary out. Cool. That was about it. All right? So I know that some people, though we even had people from our congregation, I think, that traveled to places to go and uh, witness this historic event. I had um, some friends of, of mine that traveled to middle of nowhere Wyoming, uh, and they said it was just, uh, just an extraordinary event. Uh, as, the, as the sun disappeared, the stars came out, the streetlights came on, crickets started chirping. Uh, they said it was just a phenomenal event. But what I find most interesting about this whole thing uh, is that, you know, we call it the total solar eclipse, right? Like totality. Totality. That was the word of the day. Totality. Now, I, I scoured the interwebs uh, for, a, for a total uh, black picture, right? I mean, I could have probably find, found a total black picture, but every time I looked for a total solar eclipse, I found something that looked like this, right? Total solar eclipse... I still see some light here. I still see some light here. I think they call that the corona. I learned something new, now I know what that is, right? Um, but uh, th there's this light that, that comes out from uh, among this totally blacked out sun. So what's the point here? You can't stop the light. You can't stop the light. You can't stop the sun from shining. You cannot stop the light of Jesus Christ from breaking into your darkness with his marvelous light. You cannot stop the S-O-N sun from breaking into your trials and temptations to deliver you speedily. His grace comes in waves for you today. I tell you boldly today, there is no sin that you could commit that is too great for his grace. His grace is sufficient for you because his power is made perfect in your weakness. And if you're anything like me, I know my weakness. I know my sin. I know that trials and temptations are coming your way, even today. And I know that days come where it seems as though the sun is nowhere to be found. On days like today, it's dreary and cloudy and rainy and we go, where are you? Oh, the sun is shining. The sun is shining. I tell you, the sun is shining for you today. Cloudy days and rainy days and hurricanes may come and try to snuff out the light of Jesus Christ from breaking into your life. But I tell you, you cannot stop Jesus from coming to you. He comes for you to deliver you. His love is reaching out to you. So when should we pray? Always. Always. Why? Because the God of Almighty is on your side and he is with you at all times. Justice has been won. You are delivered. You are free. You have life now and for all of eternity. My friends, I tell you, God hears your prayers. He listens to the faithful. Do not lose heart. Keep praying. Keep praying. Now next Sunday, we're going to wrap up this 
sermon series by asking our final question. It's this. How does God answer prayers? So we've been encouraging you to pray. But how does God answer? And what about when it seems he doesn't? So that's going to be our final question for next week. But what we're also doing during this sermon series is at the end of each week, I want to give you something practical, something to, to take away, to put into practice each week. So today, here's what I want you to do. Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer 500 years ago, wrote morning prayers and evening prayers, a morning prayer and an evening prayer. Uh, and when I was a kid, I memorized these prayers, and, and I, I love Luther's morning and evening prayers. It starts the day well and ends the day well. If you were part of our congregation two years ago, um, at some point two years ago, we printed Luther's morning and evening prayer on a, on a business card-sized piece of paper, so you can put it in your wallet or purse and have it with you at all times. Many of you uh, weren't here two years ago, so we're doing the same thing today. On your way out of church, our ushers will have those business card-sized piece of paper with Luther's morning and evening prayer on it. Take a couple if you want to pass them out to people. Uh, that, that should be okay. Um, but what I want you to do this week is to uh, pray Luther's morning prayer as soon as you wake up in the morning and Luther's evening prayer right before you go to bed. Maybe some of you already do this, uh, but that will be uh, what, what our takeaway is for the week. All right. If you have a spouse, uh, pray it together. To wrap up today, uh, let's, let's close by praying together Luther's morning prayer. Let's pray it together. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body, my soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power.